0: This episode of On The Hop News is brought to you by Thinking Baseball, the only educational baseball app for coaches and players that allows users to see, hear, and touch the plays as they happen. Narrated by a legendary baseball broadcaster, Pat Hughes, and powered by a groundbreaking database, Thinking Baseball puts you on the diamond. Whether you're the cutoff man on a hit to the outfield or the first baseman trailing the batter on a sure double, everyone on the field has a job to do on every play. Learn to do it better with Thinking Baseball. Visit ThinkingBaseball.com or download the free app from the Apple Store or Google Play today. It's time to get your head in the game. Today is May 8th, 2019, and this is Wednesday's edition of On The Hop. Good morning, good morning, baseball enthusiasts. Welcome to On The Hop, a daily baseball podcast focused on delivering up-to-date news from around the league so I don't sound much better, and I'm on the verge of passing out. But I'm a dedicated son of a gun, so here's your daily baseball news, gosh darn it. Last night's lightning malfunction delay between the Athletics and Reds at Oakland Alameda County Coliseum did not faze Oakland starting pitcher Mike Fires. Helped by ridiculous defensive plays by Jerickson Profar, who made a diving play in shallow right field, and Ramon Lariano's theft of Joey Votto's potential home run shot, Fires finished the contest allowing no hits and a 2-0 victory. It was the first no-hitter of the 2019 season. And how many pitches do you think it took him to accomplish this feat? Only 131. This was his second no-hitter of his career, with the first coming during 2015 as a member of the Houston Astros. Even the Cincinnati Reds' Twitter account was impressed with the performance. At around 1.31 a.m. Eastern Time, they tweeted, Hey Athletics, your pitcher is throwing a no-hitter. Just thought you'd like to know. Best regards, Reds. No matter what side of the coin you're on, everyone can appreciate a no-hitter. And if you aren't impressed with them, just go kick some rocks. As I've mentioned before in my other baseball show, The Ball Mint Podcast, I don't get too caught up in potential signings or following the buzz of unsigned players and the rumors that are associated with them. Quite frankly, it's exhausting, and I know I'll hear about it soon as it's official. So I just, I don't bother with it. If you enjoy following the drama, that's completely okay. I get it. It just doesn't interest me. What does interest me is when it finally happens and the implications that go along with the deal. However, this issue with Dallas Keuchel is a little different, mainly because he has been so vocal about his situation. Keuchel, who remains unsigned, defends his actions. Here are some of his comments concerning his unemployment. If you would have asked me on the first day of free agency, I would have said no way I'd be here on May 6th. This was not the plan at all. I would love to be out there playing ball and helping a team win. Because to my career at this point, I've done more winning than I have losing and at a much higher clip. So, what team wouldn't want me to be out there? Am I the best at this point in time? No. But am I more than or better than some of the offers I've been given? Absolutely. He continues, that's not me being greedy. That's just my compensation in the market from what the analytical data is telling me. I didn't come up with this. The front offices came up with this. So now they're trying to tell me I'm less than what the analytical data is saying. How is that possible? And it's not like Keikel isn't getting offers. He's turned down plenty of offers that everybody's best friend Scott Boris has thrown at him. Keiko says, I told him no on numerous deals because it's about principle. It's about fair market value and I wasn't getting that. Keiko even makes reference to people tweeting at him telling him to stop acting like the Le'Veon Bell of baseball. As always, I want to push you toward the article listed in the show notes to give credit where it's due, but I'm starting to even be very leery of Keiko getting signed at all, even when the deadline appears and teams won't need to give up a draft pick to sign a free agent. I think the only thing that can save Keichel this year is for a major injury to occur so he can step in. My gut tells me that this may not end well for Keichel. David Hill over at thepen.com reports that after Trevor Bauer gave up eight runs on 10 hints Monday against the woeful White Sox, the internet tough guys went to work. Bauer has received numerous comments on Twitter and Instagram, one of which simply said, could you please kill yourself? The other comments are not appropriate for a PG-rated podcast, but are easily accessible if you want to read them for yourself. Bauer responds with stop online harassment, bullying, and hate speech. And it is sad that people who are in no way connected with Trevor Bauer or anyone that they insult while hiding behind their computer screen feel that it is necessary to make these comments. I understand that Bauer's outgoing personality can irritate some and attract the worst types of people because, well, the internet. But what's more alarming is this stuff happens all the time. Now, I consider myself to have fairly thick skin. I don't mean that terrible things don't affect me. They certainly do. I'm human. I have a heart. I've just learned to process them, deal with them, and push the thoughts aside. It's taken me a while to get to this point. But it is unfortunate that this is getting a lot of attention because it has happened to a celebrity. What about those that get attacked often who have no one backing them up? They don't have the support of 155,000 followers. It's just something to think about as you pass by people on the street or at work and you have no clue what has happened to them just that morning. To those keyboard warriors out there that make this nonsense a habit, go outside sometime and let the sun shine on your face. It may do you some good. Injured list updates. According to NBC Sports, the Nationals announced a handful of roster moves on Tuesday, including the activation of third baseman Anthony Rendon from the 10-day injured list. Because of this move, recently caught up Carter Keyboom was optioned to A Fresno. Although Kibun brought some hype when he was caught up, he has struggled over 11 games. He hit 128, 209, 282 with a pair of solo home runs across 43 trips to the plate. Although it is not technically an injured list update, it kind of sort of is. TheScore.com reports that in Joey Atani's return to the Angels while batting third in the lineup, he went 0-4 for 4 with an RBI as a result of a groundout. I was happy to get this out of the way, Atani said through a translator. Now, Brad Ausmus adds his own comments as well. Baseball is certainly not the type of sports that you focus on one night. We're looking at using him as a DH for the vast majority of the next four and a half months. I'm not overly concerned about the immediate results, but just the long-term results. I think that's a good plan. According to the score.com, Braves left-hander Max Freed was forced to leave Tuesday's game against the L.A. Dodgers after being struck on his left hand by an Alex Verdugo line drive. Freed threw a couple of warm-up tosses to test his hand before he was removed in the second inning. The x-rays came back negative, however, and he is listed as day-to-day. Quick takes. With his frozen rope ground rule double during the first inning yesterday against the San Diego Padres, Robinson Cano joined Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera as the only active players to have 2,500 hits. According to thescore.com, the eight-time All-Star is now within striking distance of Joe Morgan, one of the best second basemen of all time, who notched 2,517 hits during his 22-year Hall of Fame career. Unfortunately, my opinion, it is very doubtful he will ever reach the 3,000-hit milestone. Although the Dodgers' third baseman hasn't gotten off to the best start in his career, it sure didn't look like that last night against the Angels. Justin Turner went four for six with three home runs, his second, third, and fourth of the year, and six RBI. Here is what Turner had to say about his night. I've been feeling good at the plate, just not getting results. Tonight, I finally got some good results. Yes, you did, Mr. Turner. Yes, you did. In an analysis written by John Taylor at SportsIllustrated.com, and I quote, The numbers for the Nationals are stark. On Tuesday night, they lost to the Brewers their third straight defeat and 10th in their last 13. At 14-21, they're 7 games under 500 for the first time since September 18, 2011, their last pre bryce Harper season before this one. Harper, in case you were wondering, hit a grand slam on Tuesday for the Phillies because the universe is cruel like that. They trail Philadelphia, which wild up the Cardinals, by 6 games already in the NL East and are closer to the last place Marlins than the top of the division. They've allowed the most runs in the NL at 187 or 5.3 per game and have a negative run differential. They've been equally bad at home and on the road, and they won neither consecutive games nor a series since April 17 and 18. Taylor gets more in-depth in this article, but coupling this start with the inability to sign Harper in the offseason, I am seeing a lot of people eventually being let go if things don't turn around quickly. Former Red Sox first baseman and DH David Ortiz shares the same sentiment as current Red Sox manager Alex Cora. I covered this a couple weeks ago when Cora mentioned that he was undecided about visiting the White House in celebration of the World Series Championship, so I figured I would close things out since I'm the one who kind of opened the can to begin with. Around a week or so ago, Alex Cora decided to not visit the White House, and it seemed it was for no other reason than how the current administration and president is treating immigrants. David Ortiz has come along in support of Cora and mentioned that he would do the same thing. Here are his words on the matter. I don't think it's the political side of it. I think it's more of what is going on. I'm an immigrant. When it comes down to the political side of it, I don't know much about politics and things like that. But when it comes down to the way immigrants have been treated, it's something that goes a long way. You don't want to go and shake hands with the guy who is treating immigrants like blank Because I'm an immigrant. Once you see what is going on in this country based on being an immigrant or being black, it's something that goes beyond going into the White House and shaking hands with the president just because. According to the New York Daily News, Pete Alonso slammed his longest home run of the season, a 449-foot two-run shot to left field that gave the Mets a 7-6 win over the Padres on Tuesday night at Petco. He stood there and stared at it for a good beat and then tossed his bat way up in the air as the figurative explanation point. Now, I'm tired of talking about bad flips. I really am. But I speak of them because salty pitchers, fans, and managers keep bringing it up every single time it happens. So we're inclined to to cover it. So I'll make this comment and try to be done with it. Bat flips are here to stay. They won't be going anywhere. Now, you absolutely need to see the play that Orioles' first baseman made last night against the Red Sox. I have the video in the show notes below, but my goodness, with a sliding grab of a ground ball that he had no business reaching at all, he then flips the ball behind his back to second baseman Hanser Alberto, who was covering first. His bat may not be what it once was, but he has never been a liability at first base. An amazing play by my buddy Chris Davis. And in one of the worst pieces of journalism I have read in a while, other than the MLB.com piece in which the writer theorizes that pitchers are already scared of Vlad Jr., Chris Quick of Yahoo Sports claims that Harper's Grand Slam yesterday came as a result of his batting gloves. Well, here we go, and I quote, I don't want you thinking this is me. This is exactly what Chris had to say. After hitting just 125 over his previous 14 games, Harper was determined to tinker until something worked. That might explain why Harper was sporting a new look during his first at-bat on Tuesday. The 26-year-old Harper decided to shed his batting gloves, hoping it would get him back on track. Harper walked, but he wasn't happy with that result. The a natural grip just didn't feel right, so Harper decided to go back to his batting gloves in his second at-bat. The result? A grand slam. End quote. So, let me get this straight. He's been struggling with hitting while wearing batting gloves. So he decides to give it a go without them. He walks, which if I remember having a good eye and not swinging the bat is the only way to achieve a walk. He didn't like walking. So he decided to put his gloves back on, which again, I remind you, was part of his tinkering in order to hit better. And then he hits a grand slam and it was a result of putting the gloves back on, which he was wearing during his slump the whole year. What changed? No tinkering happened. You can't make this crap up. And finally, Chris Bryant does it again with the game winning walk off home run last night to put the Marlins away. I'll send you off with the call from the Cubs broadcasting booth. Take a listen. I'll talk with you tomorrow. A more runs. Bryant in the air deep. Is it enough?